Oh, that's good. And it's good to be kind of thinking about that because that's really where we're going to be all day today as we look at the scripture this morning. Uh, you know, a couple of things are, are happening around here that are really exciting. I mean, you've got Wipeout tonight, and I want you to do something uh, with me. Would you just go ahead and thank the Lord right now for what he's going to do tonight? I mean, that's just good, isn't it? it it's a funny thing that we're told to, to pray with thanksgiving, right? We're, we're praying for something and thanking the Lord that he's already moving in that. And we've been praying all week. Uh, for our speaker, we've been praying for our students that are going to show up, and we're just believing that God's going to do something good tonight. Uh, we had a good night here uh, on Friday night. We had our ladies' event. I, I just want to show you we had a couple of pictures that uh, came out of that. Uh, look, that's the chili cook-off champion right there, you know? Now, I, I understand your husband didn't cook your chili, right? That's right. Okay. I just, just want to make sure about that, Dave. Appreciate you. Uh, Dave was an imposter a couple years ago. And then we, and then we had Danielle won the, uh, the ladies event with, uh, the beanbag toss, the cornhole thing. That's just good. They had a good time. I believe there were about 175 of our ladies were here uh, and got to hear a panel talk about just some things going on in their lives. And so it was just really good for that. Well, today we're kind of doing something that I've got to be honest with you. It makes me just a little bit sad because we're finishing today the Sermon on the Mount. And we have been in the Sermon on the Mount off and on for about the last year, and it has become kind of a familiar friend to me uh, as I have looked through these passages of Scripture over and over again, week after week. And I'm a little sad to see it go because so many of you have talked about how it's challenged you and changed your lives, uh, how it's brought something to your life. That, that changed you from the inside out and how it, it challenged you to go deeper with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's just been so good for us to be able to see that. Uh, we've been able to, to, to sit really at the feet of Jesus for the last year and hear what he had to say to us about walking with him. And as we finish today, we're looking at the picture of two men who had the same desire. Two guys who had the same desire. They both wanted to build a home Presumably, I assume, for their families, they wanted to build something that was nice. They spent time, effort to build these houses. And both men had similar opportunities at the beginning of their construction process, but their outcomes ended up being pretty different. As we studied over the last few weeks, I honestly can't help but think about how similar our situation is to theirs. All of us this morning are starting with some of the same basic desires, aren't we? That's how it works. We have the desire to to have security. We want to build on something that brings us happiness. We want to have joy in our lives. We want to have meaning and, and we want to know where our eternal destination lies. And we all start from the same place. But as we have already seen and we're going to see, the outcomes of those things are always different based upon whether we've entered by the narrow way or the broad way. As we've been talking about the road less traveled, we've been understanding that there are two paths which we can travel down and one leads to everlasting life, and one leads to destruction. And so, as we learned last week, we saw that we can think that we're on the narrow path, but actually be on the broad path, and we can be familiar with Jesus. We can know a lot about him, and yet we cannot enter through the door just by being familiar. We have to know him, and he has to know us. It, it takes a change in our lives. And as we read today's passage, I want you to consider what you're building your life on. I want you to think about that. I want you just to take the next few minutes 
and really consider what you're building your life on because it's the crucial question for us this morning. Is what you're building your life on going to stand the test of time? Will it stand the test of time? Or are you building your life on something that will ultimately shatter in front of you? Turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be in verse 24 and we're just reading a few verses this morning. And some of you may have learned these verses as, as children. You may have heard the story, but I want us to read this because I think that this will unlock for us kind of this question. Are we building our lives on something that matters? Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. As we get started, I don't want to run past this opening statement because the opening statement in verse 24 is crucial for us to understand. Jesus said, everyone who hears the words and acts on them is a wise person. And he's outlining for us a new way of living and thinking for those who would come to follow him through this entire sermon. That's what Matthew 5, 6, and 7 have been on. And now he sums it up by saying this, you have to do two things. And the first of those two things is to hear. You have to be able to hear the words and do something with it. If you hear the words, you understand them. And that's something that I don't think we're very good at. Would you agree that, that most of you, well, I don't, I don't want to speak for you. Let me speak for me. I don't listen very well. Do you listen very well? Most people think they're listening because they're hearing words that someone else is speaking, but what they're doing is forming a response or something they want to share when that other person stops talking. So part of their time is not spent on listening, it's spent on forming an opinion or forming something they want to share. And so you think you're listening, but you're not really listening. As we look at what Jesus says, we need to hear what he says and not just try to formulate our response of why we can't do what he says or why we think that what he said might be wrong. We have to be able to listen to it. And then he says we have to act on it. James 1.22 reinforces this idea for us that we can't just be listeners to the word of God. We have to be someone who hears the word of God and then acts upon it. It says, don't be just a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. Be someone who takes the word of God and starts to live it out. And I wanna remind you of two things concerning his word. One is that Christ demands that we act on it. He says that we're known by our fruit, that our love for him is evidenced by the way that we act on his word, by the way we keep his commandments. And if you would consider that, you need to consider this as well. The world is watching to see if we're acting on these words. The world wants to know if we're the kind of person that we say we are. If we say that we're a Christ follower, they're waiting to see if the claims that we make are true in our lives. As the old saying used to go, the proof is in the pudding, right? It's in the tasting of the pudding. That's, that's what it meant. You could look at it and see if the ingredients were good based on how it tasted. And we would say the th- same things about our lives. You can look at our lives and you should, for a Christ follower, be able to see that they're acting on the word of God. The, the world wants to see if you have peace. They want to see if you have joy. They want to see if you're going to love your spouse. They want to see if you're going to cut corners at work. They're watching to see that. And we cannot be lured into feeling good about head knowledge. 
Head knowledge as we have seen over and over again through this sermon series won't be enough. It won't get you there. It won't get you there to believe all the right things and not act upon it. Jesus says you have to hear the words and then you have to act on it. You have to practice the righteousness that the Bible calls us to do. Because if we don't, we're building a house that ultimately will not stand. So I want us to see if we can make a correlation between this picture and the two foundations of our own lives. The first man in the story is described as a wise man because he built his house on the rock. This man knew something about building and building something that was going to last because he built a structure that had a firm foundation. Now the gospel of Luke also records this passage for us and he gives us a little bit of insight to it that Matthew doesn't record. And I want to just read from Luke and I want you to see this uh, because I think it'll help us. It says, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood occurred and the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Here's a man who did the hard work. He dug deep into the ground. It was a laborious task for him to dig deep in the ground. But if you stay at it, you'll find rock that's suitable for building a structure upon. And that's exactly what he did. He stuck to the principles of sound construction. He went deep and was willing to do the hard work to build the solid structure. Now that's a takeaway for us this morning because hard work is a prerequisite for a solid foundation. Nothing's handed out in life. It doesn't come easily. It's not handed out in our spiritual journeys as well. Everything that you do requires hard work for you to dig deep. A lot of times we're looking for a shortcut. And I was just reminded of that this week. There's this attitude in our lives sometimes that believes that things only get better and they only get easier. And that's what we're expecting. And that's what we're hoping for is that things will just get easier and they'll get better. And that's just not true for our lives. Life is hard. Building something that lasts is hard. And this translates to our spiritual lives. If you're hoping for a shortcut that will transform your life, you're asking to meet a snake oil salesman. It doesn't work. You know this to be true. There is no shortcut to a diet. If you wanna have a shortcut to a diet, you're not gonna have anything that lasts. If you wanna have a healthy diet, you have to do the hard work. You have to make life choices. You have to change and modify your behavior. That is hard. Can I get an amen? Y'all said that a little too enthusiastically this morning. Normally when we say something, it's like one or two of you. Yeah, amen. You know how hard it is. Do you know how hard it is to achieve financial freedom? I don't mean so that you have all the money that you want to have. I mean so that you live in the freedom of your finances of what God has provided. The shortcut says play the lottery. But let me tell you something. If you're in bondage right now to finances, having all the money in the world won't change that. It won't work. Financial freedom is hard because it requires discipline. It starts with the scripture and doing what God says to do with our finances. It requires you to reduce your debt. It requires you to live on what you make. It requires you to save for a future date. I mean, it's hard to do it. There is no shortcut to that. The process of digging a foundation deeply is hard too. Because there are no shortcuts, you have to dig deep into the scriptures. You have to mine them for their wisdom. You're going to have to go through this arduous process of sanctification where the Holy Spirit looks at you and says, this won't do. We, we can't keep up with this. You're going to have to let that go. And that's a hard process for us to lose control and let control go to the Holy Spirit. That, that's something that we fight against because it's unnatural for us. But when we do, 
We go through these surface layers of the grass and we get into the topsoil and from there the work gets a little bit harder as we dig through the subsoil and we start to hit the weathered rock. And at this point, the real work is happening because you're having to break up rock because you're still not at bedrock. A lot of people never find salvation because they never dug past the topsoil. They got through the grass. They started asking questions. But when they got through the grass and the digging became a little bit deeper and harder for you to do, they stopped right there. As the soil became rich, they understood some aspects of who Jesus was. They might have seen him as a good teacher or someone who had a moral code that you could follow. But as they dug through the topsoil into the subsoil, they weren't willing to go deeper. They wanted to have a religious experience and they may have got bogged down in experience. Experience is not salvation. Experience is not salvation. And as they dug, they stopped at experience. They weren't willing to go deeper. Some go deeper and hit the weathered rock where they acknowledge that Jesus is the Savior, but they're not willing to go deeper and find bedrock where he is their Lord, and they start to take what he has said and then act upon it. That's the problem here that we're talking about. If we stop anywhere short of bedrock, we're not saved. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 12, 10. Have you not even read this scripture, the stone which the builders rejected, this stone became the chief corner stone. What he's saying is that we must build our lives on him because he's the only foundation that will last for all of eternity. He's the only one that we can count on and we have to dig deeply to find a life that's built on the rock. The foolish man's contrasted with this wise man because it said he built his house on the sand. And I think we could presume this morning that he wanted the same thing as the wise man. We can imagine that he wanted a home for his family. He wanted a place that would be safe. He wanted a place that would be comfortable. But the sad thing is, is that this man never bothered to do the hard work. He wanted a shortcut so that he could be done quickly. And he didn't do the work of getting down to the rock. And I think this is the thing for all of us this morning. You can build your life on anything other than Jesus. You absolutely can do it. And as you do it, you may be able to build a good-looking structure. It may have all the things on it that from the outside people would say, you've adorned your house right. It looks good. Your life may feel good to you. You can have all the toys, the vacation. You can have a good family, a great career. But if you don't build your life on the rock, you're building on something that won't last. It won't stand up. You know, if you choose to build your life on a career, there's a problem. Because you're not going to work forever. That day is coming to an end. Your career is going to stop one day. You're going to retire. Or maybe you're going to walk in to work and be working on something and they're just going to say, we've downsized because of the economy. We don't need your services anymore. And if you've built your life on a career, you may end up being like that high school quarterback who can never get past the state championship. Always living in the glory days, always looking back. It doesn't work. If you choose your, to, to build your, your life on your children, ultimately they grow up and move out of the house, you hope. That's the goal, isn't it? Isn't the goal for us to build children into young adults so that they can move out and be equipped to go and do that? And, and if, if you do that, you'll end up like so many families that I see that they become perfect strangers, these husbands and wives, when their kids move out because they had nothing else. It's over. Our kids are gone. What do we do now? The problem with building your life on anything except Jesus is that the rain falls 
The flood comes, the torrents beat against the house. And when they do, your ability to withstand those moments is based on the work you've previously done to build your life. Only those among us who are young and naive believe that life is gonna get better and easier. Only those of us who have not had enough years under our belt believe that things should be easy as it goes. Because when you've had a few years under your belt, you start to know something. Life is hard. Storms come. When we talk about the my story component of our C3 strategy of discipleship, one of the things that we really want you to be able to do is to be able to boil your story down of how you met Jesus or, or the, the latest thing that God has been doing in your life, a hook that you can use to be able to share the glories of the Lord with someone in two minutes or less. When I share my story with people, it, it just starts like this. I'm a three-time stroke survivor. And it's not if, it's when. Because the storms of life come to everyone. They come to everyone. And it may not be you, but it'll be someone in your family that you're caring for, or someone that you love who's going through a difficult... The storms of life come to everyone. And when that happens, you need two things. You've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you've got to have a good church that will see you through it. That's my story. And in two minutes or less, that's it. Because it's so true for our lives. That's how life happens. One day the world is sunny and beautiful and you're not concerned about anything serious in your life. Things are good. You're thinking about next week's vacation. You're thinking about what you're going to do for the holidays. Everything is great. Things are calm. They're peaceful. But in the next minute, life can change. It can come in the form of a phone call telling you that a loved one has been in an accident. It can come when you walk into work ready to finish up that project you've been working on for the last six months only to be told your services are no longer needed. It can come with a diagnosis that changes your life in an instant. When all of a sudden, the way things are going to be today and going forward are not how they have been. It can come when the plans that you made to attend a certain college or you wanted to get married to a certain person and it doesn't work out and you're just left reeling question is what do you have and what will be standing when life batters against you when the storms come well the, the bible describes these trials of life like a torrent that burst against the house in a storm and what a picture that is for us because i think that's a great way of describing it because that's exactly how it feels when the torrent comes what will be left standing look back at verse 27 the rain fell the floods came the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. And you remember we talked about the shortcut life a minute ago where you can just easily get around things and how it doesn't work. We talked about how from the outside, a house built on a shortcut life looks beautiful. It looks just the same as the one that was built on the foundation maybe. It may even look better. It may look more appealing in the moment. But then... When life comes at you hard, Jesus says the fall of that house is great, terrible, tragic, 
And if you choose to build your life on anything other than Jesus Christ, there's nothing left standing when it really matters. And when it really matters is on judgment day when we give an accounting for our lives. When we stand before the Lord and he says, what's your life been built upon? And it's like, well, my career. Wrong answer. I built it on believing the right things even though I didn't act out my faith. Even though I didn't take what you said seriously enough to let you guide my life, I I believed the right things. Not good enough. It's not built on Jesus. Being a knowledgeable person won't cut it. Being a person who served well won't cut it. Being familiar with the Lord won't cut it. You have to build your life on Jesus Christ. Some of you this morning have never built your life on him. You've never come to the place where you were ready to surrender your life and dig down deep and build your life on Jesus Christ. It's never happened. And I want to invite you to Christ today. I want you to know today that you can build your life on the rock. And the rock is Jesus Christ, and he's done all of the work that he needs to do. But you have some work to do this morning. You have to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe God raised him from the dead. You have to repent of your sins. You have to come to the end of yourself. And you've got to dig down past the experience of this morning. You've got to dig down past all the questions that you may have. And you've got to give your life to Christ and start building there. And I would ask you today, why wouldn't you? What would keep you from coming to Christ today? Today's the day of salvation. Jesus said in Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And any man who would open the door to me, I'll come in. We'll have fellowship together. It's there for us. If we would. But I think there's one more part of this passage that needs to be addressed. And that's to those of us who have built our life on Christ already. We need to recognize a principle for living that needs to be part of our lives. And here it is. We're not exempt from the storms. You should be very wary of anyone who tells you that coming to Jesus Christ will solve all of your problems and you'll never have any more again. Because Jesus never spoke that way. Jesus said, in this life you're going to have trouble, but fear not, I've overcome this world. You don't have to worry about those things anymore. And we're not exempt from these storms. In fact, if you were just to look back at verses 25 and 27, they parallel each other perfectly. It's a perfect parallel for the wise man and the man who was foolish and built his house on the sand. They're the exact same. The rains fell, the winds blew, the storms came, the torrent burst against the house. It was the exact same. Jesus said, expect this trouble. But he said we didn't have to fear because in this life as we have trials, tribulations, and difficulties and the testing of our faith, we can be sure of this. We have a firm foundation in Christ. And as we listen to his words and act on them, what we're doing is building on that foundation. We reject trying to figure out how to do it on our own. We reject trying to listen to the world tell us how to live our lives. We go to the scriptures. We hear what it says. We internalize it. We appropriate it in our lives and we start to act on it. And what starts to happen is in between those trials, our faith is growing and our foundation is growing because we're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. You're laying a foundation on the rock. And Each time you're in a trial, you have an opportunity to respond to the word. Every time you're in a sermon, 
you have an opportunity to respond to the word. If you're in a life group, you have an opportunity to respond to the word. If you're reading the Bible at home, you have an opportunity to respond to the word and to begin to act it out. And as you do, you're building on the foundation. It strengthens you. And this is important. This means that the work you're doing today prepares you in some way for the storm that's coming. The work you're doing today, or should I say not doing today, either prepares you or leaves you ill-equipped for the storm that's about to come. You know, if you lived in Florida, I don't know why you'd want to, but if you did, (laughs) and you didn't know how to make preparations for a hurricane, it would leave you in a vulnerable place, wouldn't it? You'd be vulnerable. If you lived through one of those storms, it would change how you would prepare for the next one, wouldn't it? You might get storm shutters added to the house. You might think about buying a generator. You might think about buying some non-perishable food items. You, You might think about some of those things so that you could be ready the next time that the storm came. Well, We don't need a meteorologist to tell us a storm is coming because we know that life just happens. You don't need me to tell you that. You may need me to ground you back in reality this morning to say that you're either in the storm, you're about to go into the storm, or you're coming out of the storm. That's just how it is in our lives. There, There are times of calm where we get a little bit of respite from it. Praise the Lord for those times. But then you're right back into it because that's the cycle of life. That's the way things happen. People disappoint us. People hurt us. People get sick. People die. We get sick. We're going to die. All of those things happen. It's unavoidable. So how are you prepared when it happens? I wonder this morning how many of us are riding out a storm right now. And maybe you're on a ride that you wouldn't have chosen. Right? Sometimes life feels like that. We'll talk about this a little bit more next week and the following week, but... I think sometimes life is a little bit like you got on a roller coaster with one of your friends at the park and they lied to you and said, this is really tame. You got this. And you said, but I don't like the loop-de-loop thing. And they said, there's none of that on here. It's good. And you know as well as I do that as soon as that thing comes over your head and it goes click, 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 there's no getting out. (laughs) Life feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? Because it just feels like it's got you in the grip and it's kind of thrashing you around a little bit and you don't have any way of of releasing that and and, and saying stop, there is no emergency break, there's no way for you to stop the ride that you're on and it feels like that. And we're going to talk about that over the next two weeks. What do we do when the rains come and the storms just really unleash their fury against us and the torrent beats up against the house? What do we do? How do we deal with that? Step one, you build your life on the rock. That's what you do. You hear him speak and you act. If your house is on the rock this morning, you trust that it will never fall. That's a promise from the scripture. It's not a hopeful thing. It's a promise. So you may feel today like you're in the washing machine on spin cycle. But you're not going to fail. Your house will not fail if it's been built on the rock. 
There's an old hymn that's meant a lot to my family through the years. And it just says this in its first verse. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your rest in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for Jesus to refuge, I messed that up, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. When I read that, what I'm reminded of is that this is the foundation of our lives. Right here. And the hymn writer kind of says it like this. What more do you want Jesus to say? He's already said it. It's there. Build your life on it. You've come to him for refuge. There's nothing left to say. Trust in him. Trust in his word. Live it out. And if you find yourself being tempted to build your life on anything that won't last, stop it now. Don't do it. Our foundation is set. The question is, what are we building on? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I believe it's really possible this morning that someone's in here who's never built their life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. You may have gotten through the grass into the topsoil or even the subsoil with experiences and church attendance and knowledge about who Jesus is, but you've never been saved. You've never made him the Lord of your life. And that's evidenced because you've heard the words, but you haven't acted on the words. Let today be the day that you finally acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. That you're a wise person who's building your life on a foundation that will last. I believe there could be some Christians in here today who are straying a little bit from building their foundation. You started with a good foundation. But if truth was told right now about your life, you've been trying to build on anything but Jesus. Your eyes have become distracted. And it's time to tear down the house of cards and go back to building on the foundation of Jesus Christ by hearing what he says and doing what he says. In just a moment as we pray, would you examine where you're building your life? Is it really on the rock? And you may say, I, I'm not sure. That's a fair statement for you to make this morning, but I'd want you to leave today being sure. Sure of who Jesus is. If you have any questions about that, my prayer today is that you would come and do the hard work. Seek it out. Dig past your resistance. and Let's get down to the bedrock, the foundation of who is Jesus Christ. Father, as we pray right now, we're asking you to search our hearts. We're asking you, Lord, to, to let us see very clearly where our foundation lies. And I pray, Father, for anyone this morning who's unsure of that, that they would dig deep 
and trust you. Confess Jesus as Lord of their lives. Father, for some of us as believers, the truth is we've been building our lives on other things recently. And we need to tear that down and repent. We need to hear your word this morning and act. God, some of us are in the midst of the storm right now. The storm has us in its grip. And we feel powerless. Would you remind us of the truth that the house will never fall because it's built on you? Would you remind us of your love for us this morning in the midst of the storm? Would you remind us of your care and concern for us? As we look at that ride that sometimes life takes us on over these next two weeks, Father, would you do a work in our lives to release us from fear? Fear of the unknown? And let our faith grow. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.